return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. So let's welcome Deb as she comes to share tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we're just so grateful, so grateful for that powerful name, for the powerful word, Lord. Thank you for your word that never returns void. Forever it's settled in heaven. Always. The Bible says it is impossible for your word to be without power. So thank you that even tonight you're going to do a glorious work in this wonderful people in Jesus' name. So we're continuing our study of power of the words, your words, my words. James chapter 3, verse 2 is where we're going to start tonight. It's kind of funny, um, Levi was quoting this verse to me just past Sunday. And I said, hey, that's in my notes. (laughs) The second sentence where it starts, if any man offend not in word... The same is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So completeness, maturity, I don't know how many of us are aiming for perfection. I think we got it all figured out. It's not probably realistic in this world, but our spirit man is already perfect. That's the great news, right? But it's all connected to our words, this business of maturity and growing up in Jesus. And, of course, our words simply reflect what's in our hearts. What's in our hearts is what we've been thinking about, what we've been meditating on, and thus, back to that major pursuit, you haven't stopped renewing your mind, right? 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 Right. The Word of God in us constantly. Matthew 12, 37 is our other scripture where Jesus said, By your words you shall be justified, and by your words... You shall be condemned. So Jesus put quite a premium on our words. We talked last time about this divine ability. I don't know if you consider it every time you open your mouth. That's divine ability that God has given us. Creative power to frame our own worlds. To direct our ship. Remember when we were looking at James chapter 3 last time? Our very life. Even in the midst of howling winds, fierce winds. Listen, when life is throwing you a curveball, that's not the time to just let any old words pop out of your mouth. (laughs) In fact, it's a crucial moment where you're tempted with every bit of your flesh. Complain, complain, state what you see. No, instead, what you want to do is speak what you want to see. (laughs) Proverbs 18.20, the Bible says a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, whether you want to or not. That's what that means. Shall be satisfied with the fruit of your mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. The complete Jewish Bible says it like this. 
A person's belly will be filled with the fruit of his mouth, and what his lips produce, with that he will be fulfilled, will be filled. Now here's a very blunt translation from the Good News translation. It says it, like I said, a little shockingly. You will have to live with the consequences of everything you say. And you can think to yourself, well, yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, if I'm mean, I can expect people to get offended. If I'm kind, they'll respond. But it's deeper than that, friend. Because what we say, this is a spiritual law, just as pervasive as the law of gravity. You will live with the consequences of everything you say. We've been talking about the transformation that's possible for any one of us by renewing our minds, by planting the eternal seed. This is seed. Many times in the Greek, the word seed is translated in... Well, sorry, you're not going to read it like that, but the Greek says sperma. So sperm is alive, most of it, it's supposed to be, and it has life attached to it. Same with the word of God planted in our hearts. When we water it, you do have to water it. We water it with our praise. We water it with our declarations. We hear the word and we hear the word and we hear the word and it gets planted in our hearts. We want it to be established there, friends. That's why we do the, the declarations. But you can believe in your heart all day long. You can start um, even doing what we talked about our last two sessions, uh, seeing by faith. Yeah. How many of you started doing that when you're reading the Bible now, starting to visualize and see the promises yeah. of God? Yeah. Um, but if we miss this part of releasing our faith with our words, yeah. we're going to be kind of stuck. Yeah. Our words are spiritual. I don't know if you... Think of them like that. They, they carry power. At any one moment, friends, any one moment during the day, you can maybe just set the buzzer. Buzz. What's going on? What am I saying right now? At any one given moment, you are either releasing the kingdom of God with its life and its peace, or you are giving agreement to the enemy of your soul. Romans 10.8 says the word is nigh us, even in our mouth. And in our heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. So this miracle is always in our mouth. I mean, the greatest miracle of all. How did it begin? Um, can we go to that verse? It's right after this. I think it's verse 9. There you got it for us. If you will confess with your mouth. This is the salvation verse of all time, am I right? If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you were here Sunday morning, Sepha gave a really deep, wonderful explanation of saved. We're not just talking about sins forgiven. We're talking about protection, deliverance, healing, the whole access to the throne of God. It's all ours when we believe in our heart and confess in our mouth. So the very next verse says, "It For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth... Confession is made unto salvation. Now, there's a verse in 2 Corinthians 4.13. We'll come back to this way at the end. But it says, we believe 
and therefore we speak. Confession is made unto salvation. Can we go back to that one, Romans 10.10? Confession is made unto salvation. It's always that way, friends. It's always confession unto forgiveness, yes, but it's confession unto wholeness. It's confession unto healing. It's confession unto protection and provision and peace and strength and every answer to every need. In fact, we are at this very hour what we've been speaking. We are eating the fruit right now of our words, what we're experiencing in our bodies, in our minds, in our finances, and in our relationships. Now, I realize that not everybody believes this. (laughs) If we did, friends, we'd make some big, big changes. Am I right? If we really believe that everything I say is going to happen, of course, faith has to be attached. (laughs) At the very least tonight, this whole series, I'm praying that every one of us becomes super duper duper attentive to what we're saying. I always threaten my husband, I'm going to put a tape recorder on just so you know what you've been saying. (laughs) I didn't say that. He says that all the time to me. Like, oh, well, none of the rest of you have that issue. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Oh, this is what my my heart says. Oh, that we would begin to speak what God says. Okay. So what does God say? Say, does he say, let the weak say, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm a wreck. No, what does God say? I'm strong. Joel 3, verse 10. Did I give you that verse? Maybe I didn't. This is God's suggestion. More than a suggestion. He says, let the weak say, I am strong. Does God say, let the troubled say, my life is a mess. Things are getting worse every single day. I don't know how I'm going to make it. Still wrong words. What does God say? Psalm 46, 1, here's a good place to start. God is my refuge and my strength. A very present help in the time of trouble. God says, let the fearful say, oh no, what's going to happen next? I have anxiety. I'm a nervous wreck. I can't do this. No, God says, Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? What's the answer, friends? Nobody, nothing. We have God. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now tell me, is that lying? There's a whole lot of people that say, well, come on, Debbie, you've got to be realistic. But at some point, we have to understand that the spiritual, even though what we can't see is more real than the physical. And we want to be like God, who calls things that be not as though they were. Romans 4.17. When we speak God's word, even when everything around you says the opposite, friends, we are releasing the power of God 
into our situation. I dare you. Just try it. (laughs) In the kingdom, everything is by faith, friends. Our words release our faith. Or they release our fear. They call into being God's intentions or the enemy's. We get to choose. Now, there are many in the world of science that have actually tapped into the power of our words. Even people who aren't believers. A neurosurgeon recently published an article in the Shreveport, Louisiana newspaper titled, How to Talk to Your Body to Get Rid of Ills. Kind of fascinating. He wrote about his work with specifically diabetics and people with high blood pressure. And the results he was having with them by speaking to their own bodies. He told his patients with high blood pressure, I want you to speak over your body several times a day. And this is what I want you to say. My blood pressure is 120 over 80. My blood pressure is 120 over 80. My blood pressure is 120 over 80. Didn't matter if they didn't have a clue of the diastolic, whatever, systolic, diastolic. I don't know, you nurses can fill me in later. But the body understands. And it responded, and in every case, over a period of time, the patient's blood pressure stabilized. Same with the diabetics. He instructed them to say over their body several times a day, my pancreas secretes the proper amount of insulin. And they would say it again and again. My body secretes the proper amount of insulin. They needed to say it several times a day. That was a big assignment. But again, it didn't matter if they didn't even know what a pancreas was or if they had no clue of where it was in the body. The body knew. The body understood. And they had results. They had results. The body responded. It's powerful, this divine ability we've been given, friends, to speak as men and women made in the image of God, to create. What we're doing is calling, wanting to call heaven's intentions into our reality, our life. So we're going to peek into the word of God tonight, and we're going to look at a few examples of people in the scriptures who believe what I'm talking about here and who practice this business of using their words to connect with the intention of heaven. Now, before we go to these examples, I just want to take you to Romans 4, 17, because the very first time I got this revelation, I had turned to this passage because I wanted to meditate on Abraham and how he did it. How is it that he got to this place where he staggered not at this promise, where he considered not even the deadness of his body or of Sarah's womb? So I was wanting to study this and meditate. So, you know, in most of our Bibles, they kind of, Put it in sections. So here was this section. So I started here. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. That's God's words to Abraham. Before him whom he believed, even God who quickens the dead. And wow, it just stopped me in my tracks right there. It was like God said, listen, Debbie, I can make what's dead to come alive. I can make that which is my full intention. How many of these 7,000 promises in here do you kind of wonder, I don't know if that's really for me. I don't know if it's possible. Well, just maybe it might be one of those dead things that we can bring to life. God said to me, no matter the impossibility, 
So then he said to me, now, come on, pay attention now and notice how I did it. Now, last time I shared how God got started, he spoke. That's how the whole world came into being, right? Let there be light. Or the Hebrew, light be. Two words. And it was three days later, we have a sun, a moon, and some stars. I mean, unrealistic, illogical, impossible. What? Correct. So if you've got something in your life right now that seems unrealistic, illogical, impossible, maybe we could start being like God and create things with our words, call things that be not as though they were. I should have figured out the exact quote. I remember Keith Moore um, explaining um, he was begging God to talk to him. Begging. He was on his knees daily, three times a day, asking God, Lord, I just got to hear from you. I just got to hear from you. I just got to hear from you. And I think that went on for months. And then finally the Lord said to him, have you read my word? I've said just about everything I wanted to say right here. And if you read it all and you still got a question, come to me. (laughs) So we could find out a lot right here. Okay, so God called things that be not as though they were. Our miracle is always in our mouth. So let's first peek at Abraham. God spent a lot of time with Abraham. Years, in fact, getting him to just believe, right? Counting the stars, counting the, the, the sand on the seashore. But it wasn't until he got Abraham to change his speech. And Sarah's. He actually changed their name. Genesis 17, verse 4 and 5. Where does it start here? Verse 5. No longer shall your name be called Abram, which means exalted father. But from now on, your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. So what God is saying here, listen, I want you to start speaking what my intention is for you. And I'm changing your wife's name. Don't call her Sarai anymore. You call her Sarah, or she shall be a mother of nations. Start speaking, God says, what I'm saying. And I repeat, God's saying, start speaking what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Now, Abraham, I was thinking about this. He had this promise from heaven. Does anybody have a promise you really believe in God for? Okay, come on. I should have seen every hand up. You should be believing God for something. Thank you. Everything. Okay. One promise at least, right? So Abraham has this promise. But it's not happening. And it's not happening. And it's not happening. And there's some frustration. Maybe you've got a little frustration. If we've been meditating and hearing his word and hiding it in our hearts, we've got the same thing. We've got an intention from heaven. Notice God did not say, I want you to call what is as though it were not. God's not into denial. 
No, God doesn't ask us to deny it and says, he says, instead, call those things that be not as though they were. Speak words that are spirit and life. Speak the word that's guaranteed to return never empty, never void, never without power. Forever the word is settled in heaven. And Jeremiah 1.12 says he watches over it to perform it. Now, maybe with Abraham and Sarah, can you just see the community where they lived when they heard them calling each other? Good morning, father of many nations. Hello, princess. I'm sure there was some snickering going on. Oh, these guys want kids so bad, they've just gone off their rocker. But you know what? Faith was rising. And God was quickening the dead. At 100 years of age, Abraham gives birth to a son. After Sarah died, I don't know if you realize that, but he married Keturah and had six more sons. God did a little bit of quickening there. Now, later on in Abraham's life, God asked him to sacrifice his son. Probably the most difficult assignment he'd ever been given. But he left immediately the next morning for Mount Moriah with Isaac, with some wood, with a knife. And he took them to the mountain And at the foot of the mountain, he said to his servants, he took servants along. It wasn't just him and Isaac, he and Isaac. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and read the rest with me. Then we will come back to you. That's a faith statement, friends. Now, some say, oh, he never meant to kill his son. I beg to differ with you. Hebrews 11.19 clarifies, is it possible to just go back one verse or not really? Okay. Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Is that the way it goes? Okay, keep going. I must have done something wrong. By faith, Abraham, thank you, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son, Verse 18 says, of whom it was said that in Isaac, this is the promise right here, in your seed, that in Isaac shall your seed be called. And the very next verse says, accounting. He actually accounted, he had it calculated that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead. Hallelujah. So I need to keep moving on. There's another incident in the New Testament, Mark chapter 5. We have a woman with the issue of blood who dared to believe that Jesus would heal her broken body. But she did more than just believe. The Bible says she spoke. And the Greek actually indicates that she kept on saying and kept on saying. We're going to look at it from the Passion Translation. Can we go back to 25? Now, in the crowd that day was a woman who had suffered horribly from continual bleeding for 12 years. She had endured a great deal under the care of various doctors, yet in spite of spending all that she had on their treatment, she was not getting better, but worse. When she heard about Jesus' healing power, she pushed through the crowd and came up from behind and touched his prayer shawl. I mean, she 
did more than just push through the crowd. I mean, there was all the reasons not to. She was a cursed woman, bleeding like that. She wasn't even supposed to be in the public. A woman wasn't supposed to touch a man. I mean, there was all reasons, all these reasons why she shouldn't have or couldn't do this. All right, next verse. She kept saying to herself, if only I could touch his clothes, I know I will be healed. I know I will be healed. I know I will be healed. I just touched the hem of his garment. Verse 29, as soon as her hand touched him, her bleeding immediately stopped for she knew it. She could feel in her body instantly that she was healed of her disease. Jesus knew it also. He was very aware that power had surged around him, had passed, excuse me, had passed through him to the other woman. He turned and he spoke to the crowd who touched my clothes. His disciples said, oh, come on, who, you know, all these people are touching you. No, he said. Anyway, so they find her. Can we go on to this verse 33? When the woman who experienced this miracle realized what had happened to her, she came. She said, I was the one. Verse 34, Jesus said to her daughter, because you dared to believe. But how was her faith expressed, friend? Was it just because she dared to reach out and touch? It was a little more than that. It's because she released her faith with her words. Hallelujah. Her words were carriers. Your words are carriers. They are releasers of your faith. She believed and therefore she spoke. And in every instance, friends, Abraham, and so far we've looked at the woman with the issue of blood, this is the same spirit of faith that's inside you. The same spirit of faith. Okay, so let's look now at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Another perfect example of some young men, teenage almost, very tempted, I'm sure, to be like everybody around them. Do Do you understand the pressure that our teenagers go through? Anyway, so these guys are the same way, but they chose, in the midst of a pressure pack, you will do what we're telling you to do, situation. They were staring death right in the face, but the Bible says they announced to the king, we don't even have to discuss this. If this is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. They said that to the king. We're talking about the highest authority in the land. There is pressure, pressure, pressure. But they stood up for their faith. And then they wrote, they said, if not. Now, some of the commentators explain he's not saying, well, if God doesn't deliver us. No, the if not has to do with the king. If the king decides he won't, he, you're not going to throw us in the fire? I mean, yeah, fire. We're still not bowing down to your gods. We will not worship your idols. It's really such a fun story of courage and devotion and these guys who are willing to break out of the pack and stand up for their faith to honor God with their lives. And you know the fun story, don't you? The king is furious, angry. Ah! He hires the mightiest men in the land to make sure these three guys burn. And guess who burns? It's the mighty man who threw him in the fire. All in view of the king. It's so much fun to read this story. And the king looks in and he says, 
We only threw three in. Why am I seeing the fourth man? And he looks like the Son of God. Friends, the fourth man is going to show up for you anytime and every time you can dare to believe. God honors faith. Glory to God. So how about David? Facing the giant no one else dared to fight. We have an army out here all dressed in their best, their armor. But nobody dares to go against this guy. He's big, he's ugly, he's experienced, he's got equipment fit for a museum. 126 pounds of armor, a giant helmer, bronze shin guards, a bronze sword. The tip of his sword alone weighed 15 pounds. He's got his own person carrying his shield. He doesn't even have to carry his shield. Here comes David. Can you see it? Little David. No armor, no helmet, no sword. What's he got in his hand? A slingshot. And he comes with words. He comes with words laced with faith. Faith in his God, the same God that Goliath dared to defy. So here we are in 1 Samuel, verse 17, 45. David said to this Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Jehovah Sabaoth is what that is in the Hebrew, referring to the God who commands all of the angels. Hallelujah. I come in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. The Lord will deliver you into my hand. I mean, he doesn't meekly say, well, I'm just going to try and we'll see what happens. No, he announces it in front of the entire army, in front of his brothers, in front of this great, big, intimidating giant. I will strike you and I will take your head from you. Dare saying that one, huh? And this day, he's got more. I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines. And we're not just talking about one carcass. This is plural. What's he talking about? He's announcing we are going to have the carcasses of all these Philistines. And we're going to feed them to the wild beasts, the wild birds, so that everybody knows there is a God in Israel. Where did he get faith like that, friends? Huh? Same place as Abraham. Same place as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Same place as the woman with the issue of blood. Same place. We get it. 2 Corinthians 4.13 We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We believe and therefore we speak. Hallelujah. We got three minutes for a few declarations. Are you ready? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, here we go. Mine is the same spirit of faith as Abraham's. Is that too much? I got to give you shorter ones. Mine is the same spirit as David's. As Shadrachs and Meshachs and Abednego's. Just like the woman of faith. With the issue of blood. 
I believe, and therefore I speak. Like God, I call things that be not as though they were. I'm releasing my faith with my words. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved me. I'm walking in supernatural protection. I'm walking in increasing wholeness. God supernaturally uses me to help and encourage others. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. All right, let's stand up. I think everybody's starting to write these down instead of confessing with me, but that's okay. That means you'll go home and speak them, right? All right, Father, we bless you, we bless you, we bless you. Thank you, Lord, for the power that you've given us to speak your word, to release our faith and bring the very intention of heaven into our lives. Lord, may these people be blessed, 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 blessed. Give us courage, give us strength, help us to break out of the pack and to speak words of faith and live lives of faith in Jesus' holy name. Amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. Anybody want prayer or agreement? I will be glad to join you. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylifeatbrookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.